Hi, everyone, and welcome to this interview. I'm your host, Sonny Gigi, and it's my pleasure to introduce today's guest. Today we have Nate, being tempted by the evil inclination growing up, surrounded by secular influences. Unfortunately, Nate soon finds himself off the path, where then Rabbi Reuben steps in to save another Jewish soul. We're very excited to have him here with us today to share his journey and experience. So without further ado, let's get into it. We have Nate with us today. He's been following Rabbi Rubin for uh, many years now. He's a Baal Shiva. He's 35, living in Los Angeles. Uh, and Nate, first of all, thank you very much for uh, taking the time and uh, you know, are willing to share your story with uh, us and other people. Of course, my pleasure. Nate, if you don't mind, uh, can you tell us a little more about your life prior to doing Chuba? You know, some history, uh, your upbringing, just a little more about yourself. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I was actually raised in a modern Orthodox family. I went to Jewish school most of my life through like preschool, kindergarten, and middle school. And up to high school, ninth grade, I was actually in Jewish school. Um, I don't know, for some odd reason, my parents decided to send me to public school for three years. I had maybe that issue with the principal or school. I don't know. Um, so I went to public school for three years, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And then um, little by little, I don't know, I was seeing myself, you know, going off the dare. You know, like the first year in high school, I got very tempted. You know, obviously kids there are eating like very delicious foods, like, you know, like burritos and you know, stuff like that. So it's like, I never tried it. And I was always like tempted. I'm like, wow, this stuff looks really good. You know, so it's like, I know I just one time tried it. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's like, I realized my whole life. I was like, you know, keeping kosher. And like, you try something for the first time. And then Wow. Um, so little by little, unfortunately, you know, I was going off the, off track. And obviously for my dad's family, because um, my grandpa had eight kids, most of my cousins are not religious except for my mom's side. But most of my cousins that I was close with, my uh, first cousins from my dad's side, they weren't not religious. So I guess they were kind of happy that I was going off track. But, you know, unfortunately, from like age 15, 16, I was going a little bit, little bit off track. And before I knew it, I was in my 20s and not keeping kosher anymore, not Shabbat. And then, you know, just, you know, a lot of bad things started happening to me. So what happened what, to me was, um, I think I was around 28 and my sister told me to go see this Kabbalist who comes from Israel. It was the Bial Rebbe. And I went to see him. And right when I sat down, he told me it's about time. He's like, yeah, you tried to uplift and you fall down. You tried to go up and try to fall down. And I don't know, out of nowhere, I just started asking him questions. And it was very weird. Like he knew things about me that any human being could have done. Like he knew things about my past. He knew information about some girl I was talking to. It was very, very, like, I felt like a very spiritual connection. And then like, he told me something that gave me like that almost cry to come back again. So I started actually becoming re- little by little religious again. I started keeping kosher again, Shabbat, read Tehillim, learn Torah. And a lot of very, very amazing things happened to me. And one thing that I don't know, it might sound weird to people who are not religious, but one morning when I woke up at 5 a.m., uh, I don't know if I was awake or asleep, or I think I was maybe half half awake, half asleep. I was staring at my window or my wall, and I see this uh, white, pure, pure white spirit come in my room with like, like had like no body, like a female face, like a, uh, I don't know, like a, like a very holy spirit, and it was on my wall, and it left. So I contacted my cousin in yeshiva, and I told him what happened to me. And he asked his Rebbe in New York or Baltimore, one of those yeshivas that he's in. And he said, yeah, it could have been the Shekhinah of Hashem. So they told me that maybe because a lot of Kedusha was coming in at one time, God's presence came there. So I started crying and I was like, wow. So I realized I was in the right 
I think, you know. So that's my little introduction how. And then about, I think, two, three years after that, I started um, playing on YouTube, listening to Rabbi Bizrofsky, and I saw Rabbi Yoron Reuben, and I'm like, this rabbi looks very, very serious. Like, let me listen to one of his lectures. So I clicked on, I don't know exactly which lecture it was, and little by little, I really started liking it, and it started helping me grow more and more and more. So actually, one of the lectures I recall that I think was one of my favorite ones was it says um, the professor who met the rabbi. So I don't know if anyone watched that, but it's I think you guys should check it out. Very, very interesting. Um, from what I remember was uh, I thought because I'm the type of person I like to argue and I like to prove people wrong, especially because a lot of my father's workers are Mexican and they're Guatemalan and they're very into, unfortunately, Christianity. And then when they see me with the, with the Kibahan at work, they always like to talk about religion. So I started learning the a lot of Rabbi Yeroen proves how to prove religion wrong and Rabbi Tobias Singer. So one thing I like about the story was it proves basically, I guess, funny way of proving evolution wrong. So apparently one, uh, Rabbi Kamineski with his son was in an airplane and he was with a Harvard University professor. And I, what, apparently what the story was saying that the Harvard professor's son every two seconds would bug his father and tell him, Dad, I need a pillow. Dad, I need a cup. So he would call the stewardess and say, stewardess, can you get a pillow for my son? You get a cup of water. So every few minutes, the professor's son is nagging him to help uh, that. But on the other hand, the professor is examining Rabbi Kamenevsky. He didn't know he was a rabbi. He thought, okay, he was like a regular, ordinary Jew. So he saw the opposite. And Bill, he saw his son asking, Abba, do you need anything? Do you need a pillow? Do you need water? He's like, no, 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 son, keep learning your Torah. I get five minutes like, Dad, are you okay? you need anything? No, no, son, keep learning. So the professor got very jealous, very angry. He's like, I have to ask you a question. How is it that me, I'm a Harvard University professor. I am so educated that I have to serve my son. Every two minutes, my son is bugging me to serve him. But you are ordinary Jew, but your son is always asking you every two minutes, Dad, do you need this? Dad, do you need that? How did you do that? So he goes, let me ask you a question. Do you believe in evolution? He goes, of course. Yeah, Darwin, you come from monkeys. He goes, aha, uh -huh. that's your problem. You taught your son that you come from a monkey, which means that you are closer to the monkey than your son is. That's why you have to serve your son. I taught my son that I come from uh, Adam and Eve, God's children. So my kid learns that he's inferior to me. I am closer to the closer to God than my son is. That's why my son is serving me. If you want to teach your son that you came from a monkey, you have to serve your son. I taught my son that I come from God. I come from Adam, Adam Rishon. So my son learned that he is inferior to me. So he's going to serve me. So that's why the story that I liked a lot that I wanted to let you say, I saw that I was very interesting to me. <laughs> you know, like, well, what was it that did it did I, like, I understand, yeah. but what, what was like the impact? Well, I mean, of it, you know, like an impact, but I just I like that story a lot because I like when people prove things wrong, especially a lot of times in a fortune, a lot of goyim they always try to make fun of the Torah, they say it's nonsense. But I like it when we have evidence to prove other people wrong, that's what I like. Obviously, there's other videos that I've seen that I think might have uh, been better, but I think I just like stories like that, or even like this, like Sadaka stories, but that are very emotional. But I just like, like that one a lot for some reason. <laughs> nice, nice, yeah, it's a very, very good story. So let me let me um, recap a little bit. You you grew up uh, in a religious uh, yeah, household, or they I mean, weren't. Um, I mean, I was I wasn't black hat yeshivish. We went to like modern Orthodox Jewish school, like because I, I guess in other maybe in other states it's more like yeshivish. But here there was like you just skip kosher Shabbat. You wouldn't have a black hat. Uh, so I just grew up like keeping mm -hmm. the standard, like basic kosher, basic Shabbat. But then, like I said earlier. My parents, for some reason, sent me to public school for uh, three years, and that's when I went off track. But then Baruch Hashem came back, and then a lot of Rabbi Yaron Rubin's lectures helped me, you know, grow. I mean, obviously, sometimes you know, people fall after, like, you know, you might for one or two years, and you fall, like, for a month or two, but then you come back up, you know what I mean? So, overall, it's mostly going up, thank God. Yeah. No, that, that's what I was asking, because if, 
you know, keeping Shabbat and all these things, and then to, to put put uh, your son in a uh, non-Jewish school. I just wondering, well, like, yeah, what I, happened I was, there? I I I would assume because I don't have a, a one mother, brother, and two sisters, so I think they took me and my youngest sister to the public school. I think there was an issue with the principal. If I, I'm not sure exactly, but I don't know. But they say that with the, I don't know, <laughs> very complicated. But yeah, just um, I'm just glad to be back, and you know, obviously, like uh, I I've I've seen a lot of my other pretty interesting happened to me like a lot of like one story that i also liked was um because a lot of my friends from high school that i met they're persian but they're not uh they're persian but not religious they're also jewish like me one uh mostly shabbat i think this was a few months after i became religious we were with my friends we went for a walk and um uh, my friend parked his car and his car would not turn on and yeah so my friend tried to turn on his car he tried like six seven eight times and my other friend that was in the front seat tried it and I said, let me try it. Um, so I took the keys in my hand and I said in Hebrew, Beshem Hashem, Na'asev and Asliyah, which means in the name of God, I will do and I will succeed. And the car turned on right away. And like I felt like that spiritual connection. And my friend that wasn't religious at all literally wore a keep up for like a week because of that. <laughs> so it was very, I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. Wait, and you said this was this uh, was on Shabbat? Oh, with this Shabbat. Wow, wow. So Hashem basically wanted to send you guys a little message like, hey, you know, we're wicked. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of stories to say, but I mean, yeah, just it's, it's very, it's very, it's very touching. Yeah, just, you know, sometimes you see side like you learn Torah, you pick up stuff and like you just see things like miracles happen in your life and you're like, and one thing I like about Judaism is just like you can prove it scientifically. You know, it's not like other religions where like one person claims something with no witnesses, no evidence. Torah is good because you can always prove it with science and there's many people who witness God's miracle. Right, exactly. Exactly. We we have a very strong, Hashem, a very strong foundation. That was the uh, first lecture that you heard from Rabbi Rubin, or that's the one that uh, I honestly do. Maybe it was five years ago. It's hard to remember the first one. It could have been one of those Musar Uh There's so many. I probably listened to like ninety five percent of his lectures, but it's hard to remember which one was the first. But it's funny because you know a lot of a lot of people in Los Angeles. I always tell them, you know, this is the Rabbi Yaron Ruben, but they're like, I don't know why. They say, yeah, like uh, you know, we, this Rabbi likes to scare people. But I'm like, it's not about scaring. It's like when you say that I met the truth, you need a combination of love and fear. You know, can't only have only love and only fear. You know, you have to have both. And he does that very well, which I like. Right. You know, I mean, you have a combination of both. It's like, for example, you want to eat healthy, you can't just say, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna eat junk food, but. Uh, but you still need the fruits and vegetables, you know what I mean? So it's the same thing. You need to have love and the fear combination, you know? Unfortunately, you don't have much of that uh, nowadays. Yeah, it's you know? very bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been trying to get my cousins religious too, but, you know, they're they're constantly making fun of me. They say I'm getting brainwashed, but I told them, you know, one day when I get the reward in heaven, you don't, then we'll see who's the, we'll be the sad one. <laughs> Good response, but uh, yeah. very true, very true. So w was there a lecture or anything that, did inspire you uh, really make uh, big changes in your life or kind of like all of them? Uh, I mean, obviously, like there was always ones like, okay, like, for example, like, obviously, I'm sure for every man, you know, of course, Tikkun Abri is the hardest. So for every man, even if you start keeping coach Shabbat and you're single, that's always the hardest for every man to keep. So when you watch some of his lectures about that and you see, oh, wow, the consequences and how much it affects your brain. And I also noticed when you start keeping it, you feel better. You sleep better. You feel better. You don't feel as uh, like dizzy. You don't feel as bad. So I feel like some of these lectures about that really helped a lot. I think. And are you are you male? Single, unfortunately, but yeah, my parents say I'm too picky, so I don't know if that's true or not. But <laughs> is that a Persian thing? Um, I, I think 
I know a lot of my sister friends, the girls are very picky, but for the guys, I'm not sure. But I guess, I don't know, maybe I always thought maybe because uh, I was gr still growing more and more religious. Maybe I'm, I'm sorry to learn more Torah, a few hours extra a day. So maybe God was waiting for me to make that extra push, maybe to reach higher. So I don't know. I mean, only God knows the answer to that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, just yeah. Um, whatever, 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 whatever. So, so you study Torah uh, every yeah, so day? What I um, before I would only do like uh, when I first started seven, six, seven years ago, I would only do like once or twice a week for like an hour. But then God, uh, thanks to Rabbi Reuven, I would start listening to lectures every day. And then I started doing it with my own rabbi also in LA once a week. But um, what I do is now I actually have a new schedule. What I do is I wake up in the morning, whether it's like five or six, I pray. Um, I learned the, on the Parsha. So I actually bought, uh, you probably can't see it, but in my room I have a uh, basic Rambam or a Chaim Zerashim Shon. <laughs> all these books, you know, um, so I do it uh, on the Parsha in the morning, one uh, one book each day in the morning, and then in the afternoon, I do Gemara. And obviously, if the Rabbi uh, Reuben has a lecture, I listen to the lectures, obviously, also. So I try to make uh, as much time as I can. But my new schedule, actually, the last few months has been, um, I used to work 9 to 6. Then I started going down 9 to 5. Now, the last 2, 3 months, I do 9 to 9 to 3 or 9 to 3 30. So I try to come home and do an extra 2 hours of learning every day. What do you do? So actually, I work with my father. We have a wholesale company. Uh, we sell candies, uh, chips, medicine, cigars, groceries. So we sell wholesale. Uh, we sell to gas stations, markets, hotels, liquor stores. Yeah, there's a, there's actually a, a few people that have come on the on the on the podcast that are in uh, in Los oh, Angeles. Right. So you probably you might you might know you know it's a small small world. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever get um, in contact with the rabbi? Has he ever helped you out personally? And um, I mean, I always ask him a lot of. I used to ask him a lot of questions, um, like personal stuff. And I suddenly I have like I always tell him like, oh, if my relatives make fun of religion, or what should I answer them? How should I answer back? And he always gives me a very smart, very wide answer, you know. So, but like personally, um, well, the thing is, Rabbi Rabbi said don't call him, so it's hard to it's hard to contact him, but. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, overall, I think overall he did a good, very good job. Um, he usually gets back to me pretty fast. Um, what is that? I mean, if he's like on like, once in a while, so let's say he leaves the country. I know he was in Israel last year, but usually when he's in town, he usually answers back within 24 hours right away. So he helps me like when I have a lot, uh, any question about Torah or science for Torah or personal issues. He gives me like the response right away. And uh, have have you been to one of the events or the? No, I actually want uh, to go. I actually, it's it's for me. Like you know, I'm always like. Uh, I'm always a very nervous person, so I don't like I don't like to fly too much. But um, I was always asking him to come one time to LA to give a lecture. So hopefully, he'll come to LA one time. But you know, I've mostly just been helping out, you know, contributing, and watching the lectures mostly on you know YouTube or on my phone or on the Bezrashim app for the last like five six years. Just which is I think I think he's one of the best rabbis out there on lecture. Even when I showed my dad's secretary, it's a Persian lady. I know her for like twenty years in my dad's store. I was showing her some of his lectures, and even though she's like kind of conservative, but. She was kind of surprised. Oh, wow. He's speaking like very well. Like he has a lot of good information, you know, <laughs> she kind of like gave him a spark too. But like, you know, she's almost about like 55, 60. So it's hard for her to maybe change right now at this age. But I feel like for her, it's still, I once in a while show her some of his short clip lectures and she likes them a lot also. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, unfortunately, they sometimes attack the the speaker saying like, oh yeah, he's uh, too, too serious. You know, like you're talking uh, uh, before I need to have the yeah. fear. But, uh, you know, you, you're really not arguing with the speaker. You're really arguing with, with the Shem and the Torah because, exactly. you know, usually they're reading it straight from a book, yeah, you know. Exactly. Unfortunately, you have a lot of these uh, other rabbis that don't really, you know, the, the whole Care Bear rabbi situation. Yeah. I guess it, it could be that people maybe sometimes, you know, rabbis become very popular, I guess. Other rabbis want the popularity also. <laughs> 
So they say, no, don't listen to me, listen, listen to me instead. But, you know, I don't know. I, mean, I guess everyone has their own way. But I still think, like I said, I think it's good. Also, I think it depends on the individual. Some individuals, let's say when they're young, that fear and love uh, might work better than just only love. I know Sabah likes to do like mostly out of love only, which might work. But I don't know for certain individuals if that might be the best way. I think even Rabbi Mizraki said one time, in the beginning, if you start out without fear, once the person starts loving the Torah, he doesn't need the fear anymore. You know what I mean? Like he, he knows I love it so much. I want to keep studying Torah. You introduce the fear. And then once he has that love, the fear won't really be necessary that much. Um, I was telling somebody else uh, in a different uh, different podcast that it's like, even if you do use that tactic with, with the whole love, it's like, yeah, you can bring them in. But the thing that, you know, they, they don't stay, you know, they, they usually one foot in, one foot out like their, their whole yeah, life. Exactly. And without the fear to keep them there and keep them, yeah. you know, it's like, you're not going to, you're not going to speed, you know, and, and down the street where you know there's a lot of police because you're afraid you're going to get a ticket, yeah, you know, you can't just get, uh, you can't just speed and get pulled over and be like, listen, officer, you know, I love you, you know, so let me go. Yeah. Doesn't work though. No, I mean, yeah. I- I, of course, 100% what you're saying is true. Like, you know, like, for example, like, I know once I buy a rabbi next to my house, I have sometimes he goes to public school, waits outside. He knows there's a lot of Jewish kids that go there. So, like, we'll make the put on the filling one time. But, like, that one time out of love, I mean, it's good that he's going to put on once in his life or twice in life, but that's not enough. You got to spread it and, you know, teach him everything. You're like, that one time is not going to, you know, make him go to heaven. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What what would you say that the hardest challenge was? Like becoming religious? Like, well, I think in the beginning also for me, like obviously like even when I started keeping kosher Shabbat, obviously it's hard. You just want to use that all kosher food. Uh, even for me, like the first, I don't know if it was the first couple months or a year, I wouldn't wear a keepout work even though I started becoming religious. But once I started wearing keepout work, I heard some of my dad's, you know, Hispanic workers making fun of me. It almost made me cry. It's like, that story where Rabbi Akiva was 40 years old and started learning Torah. In the beginning, people were making fun, but then, you know, it's like at the end, look what he became. So it's like, even like sometimes just wanting to keep on public, sometimes can be embarrassing for people, you know, but like, you know, you have to be deep inside proud that you're Jewish, you know what I mean? No matter what, because we have the MS. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard, especially with all the anti-Semitism. You know, you feel it. You feel yeah, it. Yeah, and I heard it's when it's getting only worse and worse. So hopefully Michelle comes. <laughs> Do you guys want to move to Israel? I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think my dad would be too fond of it for some reason. But I mean, he likes to work a lot. <laughs> Very up with the Persian Jews, you know how they are. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I just I don't know. I mean, I think I only would honestly. I was only been there once when I was ten years old. I mean, I never had a chance to go back. I mean, I did have a chance, but I don't know. I just uh, I know they had those programs called H, those little summer trips they would do for teenagers and stuff and twenty five year old. But first, right? Yeah. yeah. I just, I just never went on those, but um, I know they had ones that were like religious and that were also like more like modern or conservative. But my cousins went, my brother went, but I never actually went myself. But I mean, I always make a joke. I'm like, well, what is our own Mashiach? You know, so just. <laughs> I see. What do you think about Yeshiva? Do you, did you ever, did you ever go to Yeshiva? I went to, so I think from preschool through fourth grade, I went to school called Parkham Hillel Hebrew Academy. That says like a modern Orthodox school, but uh, and and then in fifth and sixth grade, I went to school called Maimonides, and then I went to Shalhevet for two years, and then one year I went to Netanyahu High School, which is a really yeshiva, but it's a Jewish school. And then, like I said, I went to public school, so I never had a chance to go to yeshiva, but I obviously I knew how to read Hebrew and you know and speak a little bit. So when I became involved to again, it wasn't hard. I already knew like what to do. It's like somebody who used to work out and then stopped working out for 10, 20 years. You know, isn't he a trainer? He already knows like he's got to eat protein, carbs. He knows how to work out. So it's like you're, I already had that little foundation from the before, so it made it easier. You know? But do you plan? Would you would you go, or do you do you plan on maybe uh, going? Uh, yeshiva. 
I don't know. No one knows the future, but I mean, I it's, it might be a little bit too much, but I like my new schedule now where you can do work about five, six hours and learn also five, six hours. Like I feel like too much of either one might not be for me specifically, but because I feel like this way you can work, you can still make money and get charity and also learn. If you're only learning, yeah, you can, someone can pay for you or you could have enough money saved up, but I feel like so you can do both. Like you have enough money to make give Sadaka, help orphans, help Kiru, and also learn Torah. So you get like the best, best of both worlds. And like, I think if I, for some people, learning Torah for 10, 12 hours a day might be easy. If they were like born like that, used to it as a kid. But for me or other people, it might be harder. But yeah, I just feel like half and half, it might be the best combination for me, at least. I don't know. So let, let me ask you this. Before you started listening to Rabbi Ruben, and then when you started to listen to him, and then from then on, what kind of change, what made, was there any significant change that happened besides the way he speaks and how he delivers and he talks about fear in your life? What like things change? Did you start becoming more observant? Did you start taking things more seriously? Yeah. You know, more and more of those. Yeah, so, yeah, so I think, uh, obviously, I think I was already at the time started Shomar Habri, but obviously I might've failed a few times. I'm not sure, but I know because of his videos, I think it made me keep it as long as like, as long as I could. So it's like, I've done it, you know, uh, people have all been showing my brief for over a couple of years. So I feel like, uh, I think that my record has been because of him, you know? <laughs> so just, I think it's one very important. Um, so also I think, um, he might've been the one to get me, you know, to learn more Torah, spend more hours learning. Um, I asked him certain books to get. He recommended me a lot of great books. It's funny because I've asked him to, uh, which books are good to read besides Gemara. He gave me a good few books. One called Minhat Yehuda, one called Kabayashar, Writings of the Rahman, mm -hmm. and I believe one called Light of the Slime. But my favorite one was the Minhat Yehuda. And it's funny, when he told me to read that book, I started reading it and I hear uh, an lecture in Los Angeles. One Chacham would say, everyone should get that book. And I'm, wait. I'm like, wait a minute, Rabbi Ruben told me to get that book. So I'm like, for sure he knows what he's talking about, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a good yeah, look. It's a good one. Once, yeah. Especially for, yeah, especially the people that uh, really like the whole, uh, you know, spirits yeah, and demons and all that. Like that once in a while. Uh, speaking about that, did you did you ever have any more experiences uh, like, like that one story you told us with that, uh, and that shape thing? Yeah, so that was something positive I saw. I also saw um, other things that were a little bit more scary, but I don't know if people want to hear. <laughs> like, I, I, I yeah, tell us. So, we're very interested. So, I, I also heard like one time this was also in the beginning I think when I was becoming religious right around that time when I saw that spirit um, I was in my room one day and I woke up in the middle of the night because I usually wake up a lot in the middle of the night and I hear in, um from my closet like you know this is like a serious story no joke like I hear like again like but like this sound like we tell it was from the dark so like a very deep spirit sound like oh like that and I'm like I look in my room like I don't see anything you know and I look in my closet and I can hear the voice but I don't see anything and um I look again, I hear, oh, like that very loud. And then I got very scared. And I'm like, you know what? What's going on? And it's funny because my sister, before she got married, she was living in the parents' house with me in the other room. She goes, yeah, and the next morning she goes, I heard some things coming from your room. I'm like, yeah, it's great. So I message Rabbi your own room and I hear these weird spirits. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's because you probably stopped keeping the, the I, I'm sorry, sorry, you said you probably um, started keeping the breach again. So this, the, the, the bad spirits are trying to get you back to go back to the way you were. So you have to fight yourself, troll yourself. Uh, so, like a lot of things like you know I even i even saw one time like uh like one time i saw like in my, uh, like in the middle like around four or five in the morning i saw like a black demon black spirit like circle my room one time because i had like a negative thought you know and i realized like and i told one rabbi and he goes look how much god loves you he wants you to stop thinking negative so it's like i've i've seen the good and the bad like i've seen the great the holy spirits and i've seen the, the bad so i i, I realized you know what's right what's wrong you know 
and and you've obviously or i don't know did you ever have, have any like experiences with like sleep paralysis or anything like that no, I, just, you know, I, just, you know, I always grew up uh, i guess uh, being very anxious but um one that actually happened a few weeks ago, the the rabbi from our shul, uh, he moved to Pico. It's a, it's a city in Los Angeles, and um, he never sold his shul. But and one time I woke up uh, around four or five in the morning, uh, and I don't know if I was hundred percent awake or sleeping, but I know at one point I was awake. So I heard the the rabbi of the shul calling his father, like in my head, and I'm thinking like, why do I hear that? Doesn't make sense to me. And I hear him say, like, yeah, like something about his dad and Mrs. Dad, or he was trying to ask his dad a question. So I message him on WhatsApp a few days later. I'm like, Rabbi, did you, uh, was it like your father's birthday? I know he passed away like five years ago. Was it his birthday or something like last week? Cause you know, I heard your voice in my head. He goes, no, I don't think so. But you know, I miss my dad a lot and I have to make a very important decision in my life. And um, I went to his grave. I haven't been to his grave in six months. So he goes, yeah, it's very, very weird how you heard that. You must have a very spiritual neshama. So it's very weird. I almost started like, literally started sobbing, like started crying. Uh, I'm like, I don't know how it was possible. I could hear him speaking to his dad. Like it was very insane. The like, day that he went there is great. And I was in my room, you know, very crazy. <laughs> what did it sound like? Just kind of like a, like a voice in your head. Like I said, in the beginning, it's possible I was sleeping at one point, but for sure at one point I was awake and I don't know how I could hear his voice. And then my, my aunt was very religious, was telling me how, the, yeah, the Torah says every, everyone can become like a Moshe Rabbeinu. So I just started um, reading Likutei Maharan. So one lady from Israel that I've been helping out told me to get that book So by Reb Nachman Breslov. So I didn't start reading that. So I guess maybe there's more Kabbalah, more spirituality coming in my room, my life. So yeah, I think Moshe starts studying Kabbalah. Even... One book that I like recommend is called Abir Yaakov. Uh, Art School has one very good. Yeah, people can get that to read. It's yeah. very, very good. A lot of interesting stuff in there also. Once you start reading it, it's hard. To yeah, read. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said it. And I tell you, I actually like to read the most on Shabbat. Like Shabbat's for me, that one reason why I look forward to Shabbat, because they always say the Torah that you learn on Shabbat, I think the Ben Yishchai said was a thousand times more rewarding during the week. So um, I, I think I recommend everyone at least Friday nights and Saturdays, whether you go to shul or not, at least spend five hours, six hours on Shabbat reading Torah at least, even if you can't do it during the week, because you're going to see the reward one day coming to you. <laughs> what kind of goals do you have like now heading any towards the future? Well, what kind of, you know, ideas do you have future plans Torah wise yeah so obviously I want to keep growing in Torah and Mitzvot um, I just want to obviously get married soon uh, and I'm 35 and getting, getting closer to that I don't I, we, we don't want to be 40 and sit still single you know <laughs> so let's let's hopefully God willing try to find a wife I didn't remember your Uben tried to send me a few uh, resumes you know but um, you know obviously <laughs> the girls also weren't from LA so I wanted to prefer to be someone from the same state but yeah hopefully one day you know just keep learning more Torah learn more Mitzvot um uh, either continue my father's business or maybe or at least even if he doesn't sell it I can just go there half a day and continue learning um, when I get home and then just um, trying to also make people uh, religious I think is also very good also uh, it's not a job but I... so you want to get into Kiryu I, mean, I don't have to do this I can always like like as I continue supporting it or if I know relatives I hear about I also have a lot of relatives in Israel that are not religious but you know obviously they're a lot older than me but I don't know if they would listen to me or listen but we gotta send Rabbi Reuben to that <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Dealing with family and love. oh, yeah. Do I have my grandma? You know, <laughs> she's like sometimes they people tell me they're like, "What is what's in this book that you're reading?" And I'm like, "Well, read it yourself and find out." Like they always tell you, like you know, it's 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 just, like even for me, like a lot of my 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 father's company, I have a lot of Persian, a lot of uh, customers are Persian, but they're not they're Jewish, but they're like not religious. They're totally secular, and they always tell me, "What's in this Torah?" Like it's all a mad made, and I'm like, you know, listen, I'm like, you know, I like, give the perfect example. I said. This is exactly what I told them. No joke. 
I said, when I wasn't religious, I would tell my, my cousin who was in yeshiva. I was like, oh, I used to have all this unkosher food, cheesecake factory, Mexican food. It was so good. And my cousin goes, ew. And I'm thinking, what do you mean, ew? You never tried it. I'm like, I told the customer, my dad's customer the same thing. I said, you never read the Torah. Why do you say ew? First go read it. And then if it's something wrong, you don't understand. Then tell me it's ew. For you haven't, the same way my cousin never tried the unkosher. He's giving comments. You haven't read the Torah. You don't know what it is. Go learn it. And then go come back to me. Tell me what's wrong about it, you know? A lot of times also people have like a bad experience, you know, whether it's from seeing some some religious person doing something and it just totally throws them off. You never really know what what someone's story Exactly, is. yeah. That's why we say we can't judge people. But I always, I will, from what I've seen out from relatives, from friends of friends, my, my father's uncle's friends, they always just say, just be a good person. But that's not enough. And obviously, they don't realize that. <laughs> I think that's an excuse because they don't want to keep it. But that's my opinion, but I don't know. Someone else that's in the process of doing chuba, uh, what kind of what kind of advice would you give them? My advice would be was follow your heart. If your heart is telling you to do it, obviously, which I think it is, you should do it. Even if you have family members like me who tell you you're wasting your time, you're getting brainwashed, don't listen. Because I know in the Torah it says, I think in the Gemara in a lot of places, even if you start learning Torah for the wrong reasons, you will eventually start doing it for the right reasons. So you shouldn't give up. Learn as much as you can. Give your tzedakah. Pray to God and say, give me, show me the emet, show me the truth. And I promise you, God will show you the way. It might not be easy all the time or in the beginning, but eventually you'll see the light and everything will come to perfection. So someone that's in business, how would they, how would they, how would they deal with something like that? You're telling us you have wholesale you have restaurants you seem like a very busy busy business well yeah for me i mean like i mean i'm not like uh i'm not like it's my brother's the one mostly running it has a friend running it i'm just more like the silent partner but yeah like what my brother actually what i think is very good is like he uh he finds restaurants and he has people like has a friend so okay i'll give you like 40 percent, 30 percent, or half the restaurant you run it i'll put the money so you don't have to worry about running it. So it's like something like that. Like I can, uh, for example, if I want to open with my brother, I can say me and my brother will put the money. We'll find a, like a cousin or a friend. Go run it. We'll give you 30%. We'll each get 30%. So we don't have to worry about working this. So we can focus on our own main job and learning and don't have to worry about distraction. So basically there's no there's no excuse for, uh, you know, business people. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of the older generation, they like to be on top of their business because like they, they put somebody else in charge. They feel like they're going to steal. But actually, I heard this from my grandma, which I think was very interesting. She had a relative who started a dry cleaners and he was making a lot of money. And he said, you know what? I'm going to open five or 10 more dry cleaners. Let the guy steal $5,000 a month. I'm making $100,000 a month. Who cares? That's enough for me. Like as long as you have the mentality, okay, even if the guy is going to steal working for me, I'm not there a little bit of money, but you have peace of mind, free time to do what's right. Let him steal that 2000 but you're going to be have that free time. You have eight hours. You can do learn Torah, do so many things with that time. You know, it's not about, don't always think about that little money you want. That person wants to steal. That's not important, you know. I always wonder how those, how the dry cleaners, no, not the dry cleaners. Sorry, I was thinking about the, um, um, the washing, washing, washing machine, what is it called? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know, Mike. My grandma was into that business for many years. I never really, I uh, never really understood it. But <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, but I would say for me, like for, my, even like, for example, my, my, my father's business, we have a wholesale, we have a, a warehouse. I always tell my dad, I'm like, just have someone pay. You already have a bunch of uh, Hispanic guys working there. You have a Persian guy, you know, for 25 years working there. Um, pay a little bit more money. You already know them. You trust, you told me you trust them. And hire two or three new guys that are brand new, teach up some stuff and don't leave up three or four hours early and spend more time learning tour. You know, I think everyone should do that. I don't know why people don't do that. Like, just, I don't know, I don't get it. It seems like a combination of them not wanting to do it and being influenced by their, yeah, 
Yes, uh, probably... yeah. Also, I think I think, I think also um because uh, my sister always says some people don't like change. Like when someone has something working for fifty years, they don't want to risk changing and risk going wrong. So it's a little bit I'm a little bit complicated. Also, yeah. Oh yeah, but but you know that that's another one of the prophecies. It says at the end of the days that uh, this is how it's going to be. You know, the uh, sons and daughters are going to make their parents. Uh, you know, teach you up. Uh, my my father already obviously like in the beginning when he married my mom I think he was he wasn't he was maybe traditional my mom was like modern Orthodox she went to Jewish school so my father obviously started keeping kosher Shabbat because of my mom and he still keeps the thing that um, I guess he doesn't have so much time to learn like in the morning he goes to shul sometimes he gets back and once in a while luckily to go from in Harvey but um, he's, I mean thank God at least you know he grew so much I mean out of him and his other six brothers. And two sisters, I think he's the only one that's Orthodox. But um, just, uh, yeah, I, I thank God at least he's keeping, you know, the basics. I mean, I told him, even on Shabbat, he wants to, oh, dad, he goes, let's go play ping pong. I'm like, dad, it's Shabbat's spirituality. Look, pink time for ping pong. <laughs> let's go read some Torah. Yeah, there you go. He wants to play ping pong and you're telling him, no, that's that's helping somebody do Shabbat. No, I mean, I mean, whatever. Like, he doesn't, like, obviously, he doesn't watch TV, he doesn't touch the stall. You know, sometimes he'll read, we'll read books, go, we'll go walking. But, like, I, yeah, you know, once in a while, I feel bad for five minutes, but, like, and so my dad, Shabbat's more like, you know, about Torah, Mitzvot, God wants, you know, a special day for him, spend time with the family. Yeah, you can always play painting call on Sunday. I understand, obviously, he's working Monday through Friday, so there's no time to spend time with the kids. But, you know, it's hard for him because, you know, what didn't grow up with, like, a certain way, it's hard, you know, so I don't blame him. I want to hear more uh, stories, if you have any more stories. Well, that's the story. It's interesting story. Or with my friend. That was in the beginning when I became religious, I think around 2017 or 18. But something similar happened to this right before COVID, I think around 2020 or 20, something like that. My dad's secretary, the Persian lady I was telling you about a little earlier. Also, um, one time I went to in the firm, my dad's parking lot. I don't know, just coincidentally, I went outside and I see she's in her car. And um, I said, what's wrong? She goes, I'm waiting for a AAA. My car doesn't turn on. I don't know. I was just like telling her, you know what? If I turn on your car for you, will you keep something? And then she goes, okay, I won't say Lashemara for like six weeks. So I did the same thing. I said, the Shem Hashem, not seven, not And her car turned on. And she was telling me, she's like, I went to home. I told my kids a story. My kids started laughing. So it happened again a few years later. So I thought, and I told my friend, I called up my friend right away. The one that happened to like three, four years earlier, I told him what happened. He's like, wow. Like, and then like, you know, he's like, you should make uh, our Asian friend Jewish because of that. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's okay. Don't worry. Just let him, let him be. But yeah, obviously not every time that stuff is going to work, but sometimes God, when he sees that you're trying um, and you're very spiritual and you want to connect to him, sometimes he'll make that little small miracle or push to, for you to wake up, you know? So I, I like that also. Yeah. I mean, I have to think, I don't know if there's maybe any more, anything more interesting than that, but yeah, those four or five things I said were pretty pretty intense so it seems like pretty much like you said Hashem you know might be using you as a vessel yeah it's funny because you know my sister I, I won't play um, you know she was dating a couple years ago some guy from Morocco um, well, he's from, I think was originally from Morocco and she, I think he was he lives in Canada he came to our house he spent Shabbat with us and I was telling him some stuff and then he started telling my sister, oh yeah your brother I think he's a hidden Sadiq and I started laughing I'm like what are you talking about I'm just a regular guy bro I mean, it was just funny I don't know just like the way he he was like, oh, like from like some like very spiritual person, but I'm like, you know, I'm just normal like you and I keep like most like people keep kosher Shabbat, learn Torah. Yeah, obviously I have the Shem name in my Hebrew name Netanel, but you know, just um, I think ev everyone can can reach higher higher as long as you try. But I I think one thing I don't know if it's even possible for me or anyone to get, but I always want to wonder what does Rach what does feel like. So I know it's hard. Like you have to make sure not to look at anything inappropriate. You got to learn Torah maybe 14, 15 hours a day. I don't know if I could ever do that, but. I always wanted to get that feeling, ask God, what does that feeling of Ruach this feel like? So I was wondering, like, if people should try, one, I think one reason to try 
becoming more religious and learning Torah is see if you can get that feeling, you know? I think like a very, very interesting, very holy feeling, you know? Imagine you could tell your friend, hey, I, I saw in the vision, you know, you did this sin or you did that. And he's like, how'd you know? Like, well, you know, it's a Jewish power, you know? <laughs> so just, yeah, it'll be interesting to see someone can get that kind of power one, like a normal person, you know? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Uh, in the Misirat uh, Yishalim, talks about uh, the last chapter, talks about Ruach HaKodesh. I actually have the book. I kind of skimmed through it like once. I because you know, like for me, I like to what I what I did was I went through obviously Amazon Art School as Rabbi Reuven book books. So I ordered like literally hundreds of books. <laughs> so my plan was, you know, and yeah. I say you should go one step at a time. So my plan, what I like to do is get them all, the most popular one, read them fast the first time, and then see which ones are the most interesting, and then the second time read it slow and get to know it better. Because I don't like to wait. Like I can't wait five years and say what does that book talk about? What does that book say? So I got to get everything, like every Musar book, every Kabbalah book, every Gemara, and read the ones that I like. I find that, read the read it first, the first time fast. And then the second time, when I see, oh, wow, this one was more interesting than that one. Then the second time, I read it slow, the ones that I like better. That's that's the way I like to do it. Yeah. It talks about, like you said in the last chapter, how you don't actually have to be one of these uh, people that sit and study and learn 22, 23 hours a day. You can actually be a very simple person. You know, you have a job, um, you study a little bit here and there, and you can acquire that uh, uh mainly depending on how you behave and how you conduct yourself and certain things that you do. And when I read that, I was very influenced because I was like, come on, there's, there's no way anybody could get Wachakodesh. I'm not claiming I have it or anything like that, but I'm just saying that the influence, uh, you know, was well, was is there and it's... It uh, gives us gives us regular people a chance to maybe acquire it. Exactly, yeah. If you want it, the, the point is, if you want to acquire it, you can. Yeah, it might not be easy. It might take time, but I think it's definitely possible. I would just say, you know what? I mean, even if you, if even if you're a regular person, you just started watching Rabbi Reuven's lectures, or you even if you just want to think about becoming religious, I just recommend trying it because you know I have this even some guy in my father's company, atheist guy. He claims he's atheist. I don't know if he is or not, but I always tell him this. I said. If there's nothing, we both lose. But if there's something, I win and you lose. So I don't get what you're losing. Obviously, you could say, oh, I can't watch TV once a week or I can't eat this. First of all, I don't know where you are, but in Los Angeles, you know, there's so many kosher restaurants, thing up Baruch Hashem. Yeah, it might not taste exactly the, as good as maybe something on kosher, but it's pretty close enough, I think. I think once you start learning more Torah and focus on spirituality, you won't care for that desire of food. Like I used to be a, like love to eat food, like everything. But now I still eat, but like I eat less and I don't have that desire so much really on kosher in God. And I think once you start uh, growing spiritually and, you know, learning Torah, you'll realize that those things are not so important. You're going to start learning the love of Torah. And even if sometimes you get challenges in life, which obviously I have a lot of challenges to myself. But it could be good because, you know, I've even heard, I think the Gemara talks about it and a lot of rabbis talk about it, that it's better to suffer here. One one minute, uh, one even I think one hour in hell is worse than all the suffering here and all the reward over there is better than even like all the reward here. So it's like, there's nothing here. It's like all like, like no matter what, like no matter what you do, I think, you know what rabbi, I think Rabbi Rubin said this, you, let's say you're eating a steak, you put it in your mouth. It takes you 10 seconds to chew it. Then you stop. Then you take 10 seconds again, you chew it. So even if you're, it takes you 45 minutes to eat that steak, but that whole pleasure com combination is like two minutes because it stopped, you're chewing. But then when you die, when you go to heaven and you, God shows you the reward and you're connected to God. I think the Gemara Barafat says the Sadiqim are sitting with their uh, crowns on their head, uh, uh, getting pleasure, uh, uh, the pleasure from God's Shekhinah. So imagine 
I think the example you gave was you're going to be up there unlimited pleasure. You never get tired of that pleasure. It never stops. It never gets old. But no matter when you eat a steak, you get full. You can't eat another one tomorrow. It's like it's this is a world of lies. It's just like we're just here to do the best we can and get the reward. So people unfortunately get trapped by these, I guess, all these stupid TV shows and billboards and ads and they just fall for the trap. And you know, they see a beautiful woman in the street and say, oh, I want my wife to look like that. But that's not going to do anything for you. That's in five years, she's going to get old and she's not going to. But her personality is going to be trash. So you got to you got to realize, open your eyes and open your head what the emet is, what the truth is, and just grow to keep Torah. You know, otherwise, I'm pretty sure the prophet was it. The prophet said 80 percent, uh, only 80 percent of Jews are going to unfortunately pass. Only 20 percent are going to survive. So if you want to be on that 20 percent, just see Mashiach. You don't want to be with the other 80. Go down the drink, down the ship. So I mean. Just get over your desires. You know, it's not that hard. If I can do it, you can do it. You know, so it's not that hard. You know, I mean, especially even some people that are born religious are having trouble. But for me, who I wasn't always religious, if I can do it and other people, I'm sure a lot of Rabbi Reuben students are doing it, people can do it. Yet, yeah, I'm not saying God forbid make a mistake on purpose, you know, but if you make a mistake, don't give up. Don't think, okay, it's too late now or I didn't make a mistake. No, that's your Yesahara tricking you. Okay. And actually, it's better because once you fall, God might make something happen so you can grow higher. I even think the book of Abir Yaakov, it says that sometimes God gives a person Yisurim so he can uplift them higher and higher. So don't think, okay, I got this punishment or I, I made a mistake. Now God gave me this um, feeling more of suffering now. No, he want, might want you to do more to you, but learn more Torah to get higher and higher. And then one day will show you that reward, you know, and you're going to be like, wow, this was worth it, you know. Well, how would you guide that person if he wants to make that change? Well, what, what would you advise him to start? Well, what Depends on the certain individual, like obviously, like if he's completely lost, yeah, I would just tell him, you know what, um, go on YouTube or whatever, just find, type in Rabbi Reuben's uh, name and find some of the topics that you like about and see what, which, there's so many, there's thousands of lectures, Baruch Hashem. So just go on YouTube or uh, even on the on the app and just see what topics you like and go from there. And then um, I think one time Rabbi Reuben said, you, you cannot study something that you're not interested in. So find something that you're interested in and focus on that mitzvah, make that mitzvah strong, and the rest will come by, by itself. The rest will come easily. You listen to Rabbi Mizrahi? Yeah, once in a while. Uh, I actually started Rabbi Reuben first. Um, I know they, they both like each other a lot. They, I, I know Rabbi Reuben speaks about highly of Rabbi Mizrahi also. So yeah, I mean, if there's a free lecture, I mean, uh, like on if I'm like, at home, and like, it's like 8 o'clock, and I'm like, I just finished my Gemara. I'm like, um, it was funny because my, my parents was like, oh, that's enough Torah. Come downstairs, watch. Uh, you know, I see my parents watching TV. I'm like, yeah, you know, I want to spend time with my, obviously my mom and my dad, you know, but. Sometimes, you know, like he has very interesting lectures also, you know, so he he, he's, <laughs> he has a lot of also debates and he has a lot of things. I saw one uh, lecture with him, uh, Rabbi Mizrahi debating a skeptic. There was a Persian guy, I think, from New York, and he was uh, debating. And then he was saying, how do we know there's a God? How do the Torah of God? And then I see Rabbi Mizrahi just going, they're nailing the hammer on his head, like, no, it's not bringing evidence. And the Persian guy that was uh, on the other side, I couldn't see his face, but he told his friend who was having doubts, was like, Listen, Rabbi Mizrahi got you. I think the, the point that he got it was with, he brought the example from the Gemara. He said that when there were something, I think Masechah Rosh Hashanah, they were saying how uh, they wanted witnesses to come to see when the uh, uh, lunar cycle was. And the Gemara says the lunar cycle will never be less than 29 and a half days, 12 hours. And it gives a specific number. And Rabbi Mizrahi said that there's no way any human being can control the moon. So if you're going to write this in a book three, two, three thousand years ago, if, they're, for example, they're off by one minute, your whole book goes in the trash. And I see the other Persian guy telling him, he got you, bro. Just stop. <laughs> it's very hard to fight with the uh, with the sages and exactly. the Mark. Yeah. They already did all that. They left it set for exactly. us. Yeah, they did all the words. We got. 
Exactly. Yeah. Let's hope a few more people become inspired and become religious. Hopefully by that, um, I think that, I think the Rabbi Alona Lava was saying when the, when the, the, the scale tilts higher, let's say when more and more people become religious, one scale gets like this, then boom, the redemption will come like that, you know? So <laughs> let's hope, I guess my podcast, the rest of the people's podcast will make an influence on other people, hopefully. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, that's, that's exactly why we're doing yes. this. We're showing people, we're getting different kinds of people. We're giving different examples. You know, you're giving, uh, for example, like the, the, the business, busy man, wholesale restaurant, yeah. you know, uh, but still raised kind of average. You have another guy that was totally off the deck, didn't know what it was. You have all, we bring all these other people so people can relate and people can, uh, you know, not, not lose any hope. So we definitely uh, appreciate you taking the time and doing this. We appreciate your participation. It was very interesting. There's uh, little to no doubt that it will, it will help people like you said hopefully it'll bring uh things a little closer to uh mashiach make Hashem happy and um you know have people return to Hashem. yeah well, well one last thing i think before i go i think i mean i know it's good, it's good to bring a little bit of comedy i think so it's funny even in my father's company like there was um like i said i think in the beginning I was, when you were asking the questions a lot of my dad's mexican workers would always talk about religion and even though it's not like 100 percent evidence but there's a comedian called, uh, I think his name is Rowan Atkinson, is Mr. Bean. I think is very popular from England. And he has a whole video about hell. And he makes fun of everybody who goes to hell. And then at the end of his video, he says, Christians. And he goes, Christians? And he goes, yes, I'm sorry. I'm afraid the Jews were right. <laughs> so like, if you have doubt, you could even learn things from a comedian. You know, like, even he's telling people <laughs> the Jews are right. And they always say, you know, there's an expression that says there's a lot of truth to every joke. So, you know, <laughs> you might we can even learn something from a comedian, you know? I'm not mistaken. I think there was, I don't remember any source for it, but there's something about like you can learn uh, that to, to, to everything, there's some kind of uh, truth. There's some type of message. Yeah, I just remember here. Show you, I, I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of tr truth to every joke, but yeah, I just I just know like, yeah. So yeah, hopefully I'm more pro, yeah. Hopefully more people become religious and yeah, let's see what happens. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. Great. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. And if you ever need anything, we're here. You can go to the website, contact us. You know, you have my contact. Let me know uh, if there's anything you got you need, uh, anything we can help with. And uh, this other show will be in touch from here amen, on out. Amen. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. In a small number it shouldn't take over your whole life. If you satiate it, you're never going to have enough. The Sofer clan, when it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. Time for us to rectify what we have done. Normal numbers should be somewhere around 20 million or higher. You're never going to have control of it. If you start, you only feed it when it's permissible, according to the Torah. Pornography is as addictive as crack cocaine. You're always going to be happy. Including this world and the next.
ברוך אדוני לעולם, אמן דם. Very special thank you to all our amazing guests who show real Avat Yisrael by taking the time out of their busy schedules and sharing their ups and downs with us, all for the sake of Am Yisrael. May Hashem continue to bless you a thousandfold. If you enjoyed this video, you can find more of these podcasts on our website at www.bezatashem.org. If you are on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel to hear more highly influencing lectures and stories like the one you heard here today. Thank you for watching and Bezat Hashem, may we all have the merit to return to Hashem.